Turn together to Psalm 122. If you have a Bible nearby, uh, if you don't, we're going to put the verses up on the screen. Um, so there's a lot of truth in uh, the songs that we've been singing, and that's some of what we've been addressing the last couple weeks. Is what do we do when we come together? You know, the significance of this this gathering here, and. Uh, God uses the songs and the, the truths of those lyrics a lot of times to strike that tuning like I talked about a few minutes ago. And so when you're, you're reading those things on the screen or maybe you know it well enough, you, just, you know what's coming up, you know the words and, and you see those things and you, and you sing them or you read them or you hear everybody else singing them, that's, that's all these tuning notes and the Spirit of God uses that to bring us just right where He wants us, right with Him. Regardless of the week you've had or the day that you've had or whatever, that's a, a part of what happens when we come together is he tunes us uh, to himself. And so uh, we've been looking at corporate worship for the last couple of weeks, kind of from some different angles. And uh, if you're here with us for the first time, I don't think it's something where you're going to feel lost because uh, honestly, my sermons don't always even make sense within one sermon, much less like week to week to week. So I don't think it'll be really a big deal at all. Um, so. Um, Corporate worship and, and kind of what that comes down to for us is something we're visiting because uh, anytime you do something repetitively, you know, week to week, day to day, anything like that, uh, there's a chance that it can lose its meaning. And there's some things it's okay for them to lose their meaning, but this is definitely not one of them. That to come in here, we really kind of need to know exactly what is about to happen. And uh, last week we uh, looked at Psalm 121. Today we'll look at 122. These were a, a group of psalms that were used as uh, their, uh, the faithful uh, Jewish community was making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the festivals and the uh, times of worship they were gathered together. So let's look at 122 and let's look at where it starts, which is kind of an, an interesting place, I think. We'll just look at the first two verses to get us started. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. All right. Now, standing within the gates of Jerusalem, this means that, that it's from the perspective of arrival. You know? And so they've, they've made it there. They've made the long journey by foot. Um, maybe they have some you know, donkeys or something that are kind of helping transport people or whatever. But it was this pilgrimage made over days and weeks sometimes, depending on where you lived. Uh, and so this is, this is you know, David saying, uh, I, I'm, I finally arrived. Like I'm, I'm standing within the gates in Jerusalem. Our journey has come to an end. And so the first verse is him saying, I was pumped up when they said, hey, it's time to go to Jerusalem. And the second verse, he's saying, now we finally made it. And if you look at that verse, look at verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think that... Um, that's a challenging statement, I think, sometimes. Uh, and, and to bring it into our, our context, and this is, this is all poetry, and so I think there's some, there's some uh, 
It's just some interpretive things that are going to come about in this psalm. Uh, but certainly, the, when, he, when they're going to Jerusalem for the worship gathering, it's, it's pretty much just like us saying, I was glad when they told me it's time to go to church. I was glad when, when it came that time on a Sunday to uh, get ready to get in the car or start, if you're the Ballard, you live like right there, so like start walking or, you know, whatever, uh, for that journey to like this place, to this gathering. I was glad when it was that time. Now, I know that everybody's not there, and I have not always been there myself. Uh, I know everybody didn't grow up in church. I grew up in church, and so for a lot of my childhood, I think I was excited on Sundays to go. I don't really know why. Um, it probably had something to do, I was thinking about those, uh, you know those like butter cookies that like every Baptist church had? Looks like a, like a flower and you could like put them on your fingers like rings, right? Uh, that may have been my primary motivation for me like, let's get in the car. You know, that sounds great. Uh, and um, then when I kind of, well, okay, I never grew out of that. But let's say I started to add, add motivations while I was wanting to go to church. At, at some point, I got to where I realized that there were girls at church. And that was a good place to go for that reason, too. And so then I was like, is it time to go to church? Let's go. That would be great. Um, when I got into college, uh, that was kind of a new thing because there was, a, there was this kind of like, I don't know, I kind of hit that point, I guess, in my, like, my maturing and then my faith development where I just wasn't as excited to go as I used to be. I don't really, I don't know why. Probably because when you get to college, you, you have some freedoms and stuff, and you kind of start to, like, be like, nobody can tell me where to go, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, like, I don't care if my parents want me to go to church or not. I don't want to go. And, you know, there's all that really awesome rationale that comes your way. Once you get a little bit of freedom, you want a lot of freedom, even the freedom to say, I'm not going. And uh, that wasn't really an option either, no matter how old I was. But um, my motivation kind of just shifted at some point to where I just, I wasn't glad when it was Sunday, you know. There wasn't this joy and this expectation that was there. It was just kind of, you know, whatever. And then toward the end of my time in college uh, was when, when the ring was like started. And there was a a group of us, it was like 30 or 40, you know, maybe, on a really big night. And we'd meet at Parkview Baptist in the sanctuary after their evening service. So it was like 7.30. And that became a gathering where, for some reason, like I wanted, I, like I really wanted to be there for that one. And I don't know why that shifted for me, of, going, of being able to, to not really say, like verse 1, I was glad when they said it was, it was time to go to go to Jerusalem. It was time to go to the gathering. Uh, but at some point, it became significant for me to the point where I, could, I really couldn't wait for Sundays to happen. And I think, for me, that was because uh, I started to realize like, what's special about the people of God coming together. That there are some things that happen when we are together that are unique. Nothing that we do here at you know, on Sunday night is is something that is you know exclusive, really, for like just like church coming together kind of stuff. So you know, taking the scriptures and reading them and studying them and going slowly through that and really being thoughtful about that and letting 
letting the Spirit of God teach us from the Word, that's something that you do at home. You could do that at home. That's not unique to, to hear. Um, we, pray, we pray together. You can pray at home. We sing together. You can sing at home. You can sing in the car. You can put that music on. Like, so, so songs can, God can use songs to tune us to the truth and we're alone, uh, just like when we're together. Prayer tunes us. The scriptures tune us. All, so, so what is it about the corporate coming together that's so special? What is it that happens here that doesn't happen in other places? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I believe that the next couple of verses give us some insight as to why this is unique. So this is not, this is not a, an exaltation of, of, to where we end up worshiping the worship gathering. You know, This is about us understanding why, in Hebrews, it says, don't neglect meeting together. Why, from the beginnings of the Bible, when, and, and when God starts to put his community of faith together, he, he tells them, these are the festivals, these are the gatherings, these are the sacrifices, these are the offerings. Why is he always gathering his people and then scattering them back out? It's, just, it's this constant thing. We see it all throughout the scriptures. We see it all throughout the history of the church. God gets the saints together, and he tunes them up, and then he sends them back out. So when he gets us together, what, is, what happens uniquely when we're gathered that's different than what happens when we're all apart? It's different kinds of tuning in some ways. So let's look at verse 3. So there's, he's standing in the gates of Jerusalem, and this is what he says. Jerusalem, built as a city that's bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Okay. Again, it's poetry. It's kind of flowery, and it doesn't, it's not like straight ahead kind of stuff. So there's, there has to be some interpretation that's going on. Okay, So he basically goes from Jerusalem is a very well-built city. All the tribes come together there. Uh, God said, come here and give thanks to me. And there are, there are the thrones of judgment, meaning, meaning like the kingly throne where David established and where he ruled over the people from is, is there. So he ties all these things together, and they're all kind of grouped in one kind of one meaningful blob of poetry right there. And so what, is it, what does it mean? What, is it, what does it have to, to have to say to us about what's unique? Um, look at verse 3. Jerusalem built as a city that's bound firmly together. Okay, we're going to leave, leave that right there. In Jerusalem, I mean, everything's built of stone. And there are things that are there. Like, you can walk through the streets of old Jerusalem right now, and they're the stones that have been there forever. I mean, they've been there since the city was built. Now, a lot of it, it's been destroyed and been rebuilt. So there's a lot of things that are, are not original, but there are some places you go where there's this original stonework that's there. And so Jerusalem was not um, haphazardly thrown together as a city. It was built with great intentionality, with a lot of purpose. If you ever looked at really intricate and well-crafted like stonework, you know that those stones are not, they're not all the same. You have these walls, and it's just layers and layers of stones, or they're, they're, they're like fit together very uniquely. 
But what he's saying is this is a well-built city. This is a city full of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stones that are all different, but yet they fit together masterfully. That's, what, that, that's us coming together. Eugene Peterson says that, that Jerusalem is an architectural metaphor for what worship is, for what corporate worship is, that we are a bunch of stones that are all different, yet Jesus compactly puts us together as this just master architect and builder who knows exactly what he's doing. And he puts all these stones together. Why? Look at the next verse. Uh, it says, to which the, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, okay? Israel and 12 tribes, but they all were to come together. That you have these people that are all different, yet they're all the same. All the stones are different, but they're all stones. Okay? So the tribes come together as decreed for, the, uh, as decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So he gathers all these stones, you and me, puts us all together perfectly in order to give thanks to him. And what, what, is, what does this next part have to do? What does verse 5 have to do? There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Okay, So all the stones come together. He makes this perfect building around the throne of the king. And from there, the king rules justly and with great judgment over his people. And so I believe that what happens uniquely for corporate worship is something like this. If you look around this room or whatever, any church that's anywhere, I believe from God's perspective, here's what's happened. A bunch of random stones, different experiences, different personalities, different strengths and weaknesses, Some have had great victory this week. Some have had great defeat this week. All kinds of interests and quirks and baggage and pain. Every one of us is a stone that's just very uniquely shaped and cut by God over the course of our lives. And so you take this church at 5 o'clock on Sundays... All these random stones that are all different come into one place. God perfectly puts them together to make a throne room for Jesus, for us to give thanks and for Him to rule justly over us. We are a well-built building here tonight. And you might be here for the first time. Welcome to our building. We would love to have you always be a stone in this building. But God may not have you as a stone in this building. Maybe another building. Well, for tonight, you're a part of our building. And so, we make this throne room tonight, and we give thanks to our King, and our King rules over us by tuning us and, and offering some encouragement and some correction and some conviction and, 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 and some guidance to lead us down paths of righteousness for His namesake. And at the end... It's almost like just this, the building just explodes, right? And some, and some of you go to Zachary, and some of you go to Central, and some of you go to Denham, and some of you go to Prairieville and Gonzales, and some of you are in Baton Rouge, and maybe some of you go across the river to Port Allen. 
and, and some of us go uh, to eat somewhere, and some of us go home, and some of us go to apartments, some of us go to dorms, some of us aren't really sure where we're going next. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see, maybe to Walmart or, or whatever. And all these stones are gone out, but guess what? All these stones have been tuned by the king. So you're going back into those environments more in tune than you were, hopefully, than when you came in. Now, while, while you, we're all separate, what are we doing? Well, we're doing the same things we do here. We're in the scriptures. We are praying. We're, we're listening to what God has to say for us. How he wants to shape us and grow us. All that happens in other places, too, for individual stones. On Sundays, all the stones come together. And then we go back out. And then he gathers us. And then we're sent. And it's the same pattern we see in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the history of the church. We step into that. And that's what's happening to us. And here's the beauty of everything I just described. Not, well, not the beauty, because you can't just have one beauty in what I just described. But one of the beautiful things is that every single stone has a place. When I, when I bought my house, maybe you have the same thing. There's like this pile of random bricks in the corner of the yard. And I guess when they built the house, they were like, we'll need this many bricks. And it turns out they, did, they had 13 or so more than they needed, so they just threw them in a the corner. Well, that, that's not the case here. There's no leftover material with us. That from the perspective of Christ, when He puts the building together, when we come together, every single stone has a very intentional place. Nothing's random. Nothing's forgotten. Nothing's left over. Nothing is unimportant. And so every single one of us is here on purpose, and He wants to use us in this gathering. That's one of the beautiful things about the building that is the church. Now, as great as that is, there's a problem that comes in. And uh, I honestly am not 100% sure what to do about it. But let me just tell you what the problem is. Even though everything I just said is real and true... There are people in churches all over the place, and there are people in our church, and people in this room, who no matter what Jesus says about them fitting in the building, they feel like they don't fit in the building. You know? They feel that way. It's like, well, I don't care what Jesus says. I don't fit with those people. All right. Well... Why, why is that? You know, why, would you, why would you hear that and, be like, and not be like, yes, that's awesome? Why would you try to find an exception to that? Well, because those feelings are sometimes really difficult to just push through. You know? Because if you feel it, it feels so real, then the preacher must be lying or not seeing everything right, or he's just trying to be really positive. There's some sort of exception in there that you're trying to find because our feelings tend to dominate us too much, you know? And last week we talked about instead of waiting till you feel, you know, you feel a certain way emotionally, you just you act yourself into a new way of thinking and, and existing. And so that I was talking about last week, like when even if you don't feel like standing up and singing some of this stuff, you just sing it anyway, because your emotions will be trumped by the truth of God. When it comes to fitting into the building that is the church, that's a, sometimes a little bit more difficult. Uh, and and here, here's where it all comes from, really. Uh, if we were to just have like real talk, honest, honesty among us, 
uh, we're, we're pretty insecure people, just as humans. Um, and for some reason, like especially Americans, we're just very insecure. And even though we act super confident, we act like, you know, whatever, the truth is, a lot of us are, I don't know, we're just insecure. And when you're insecure, you're vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, you interpret everything that's happening around you through that vulnerability. So if Jesus is saying everybody fits, and you have somebody who's feeling like they don't fit, the reason why they're feeling like they don't fit is because to them, they're stacking up all this evidence to the contrary of what Jesus says. And you know what makes people feel like they don't fit? It doesn't, it doesn't make them not fit. It makes them feel like they don't fit. It's, it's, it's little stuff, you know? It's jokes that we make. It's little comments here and there. Little jabs that we take or generalities or whatever. I think that's the first thing that we do is if you're going to sit around and make fun of somebody, to someone who is vulnerable and insecure, they're going to take that and they're going to like run with it and say, see, I don't fit in. So if, uh, take, if someone is feeling very insecure and vulnerable because they have blue eyes, for example, and you're sitting around and you're making jokes about blue-eyed people, you know, or that's your go-to cut-down for your friends, shut up, blue eyes, for example, you know. Or if Halloween rolls around and your costume, you go as like a blue-eyed person. You're just, making, just mocking them openly. Or if you're having dinner and you're telling a story about work and you're like, yeah, this, this blue-eyed dork I work with, he did this and this and this. And there's a blue-eyed person sitting right across from you. What are they supposed to, like, of course. Now, of course, I'm using a ridiculous example to prove a point. You take, in that, all those, just dumb examples, okay, that I just used, I I know it. Replace it with anything that you want. Kinds of people, people with certain backgrounds, people that dress a certain way or like a certain thing, whatever. That kind of stuff feeds into that vulnerability and fear and insecurity and says, you don't belong with us. And so, here we are, this is the true side of the pulpit thing, and the truth is, everybody fits no matter, no matter what. And over here, socially, we're coming up with all these reasons why certain people don't fit, or making comments, and jokes, and looks, and all that kind of stuff. And what should we expect, you know? They're going to feel like they don't fit. It's not true they don't fit, but they're going to feel like they don't fit. The other thing that we do to tell people that you don't fit is uh, we just ignore them, right? Church gets together, we're singing songs, everybody fits, everybody fits. Don't you go copyrighting that. (laughs) That's mine, that's original. 
we're singing these songs and we're, everything's all good, but yet our interaction over here is like I hate the word click because that's that's stupid. I hate the word clump. I think it's more we clump up, don't we? We're just like clumps of people, and it's clumps of people who are all friends already and hang out together already and act like they haven't seen each other in months, but it was last night, literally. And we clump up. And so if you have someone who already is insecure about fitting in to Jesus' building over here, they're already feeling insecure, and you ignore them, don't talk to them, don't really care, you walk right past them, give them that look, like, what are you doing here? I always use the example, there's a scene in the TV show Friends, which, alright, I'm using an example from Friends, I'm super relevant, and, uh, but there are, like all six of them, or however many there are, they're sitting in the apartment, somebody knocks on the door, and they all look at each other like, who would be knocking on the door? Like, we're, we're all here, why would someone want to come in on this? That church sometimes has that attitude, doesn't it? It's like, we're fine, we like us, we don't need more people here. And the tragedy behind that is, is that there's more, there's more going on, okay, than saying, you don't fit in our church family. It goes deeper than that. And that's what every one of us has to recognize, that for someone who is insecure and fearful and vulnerable about fitting in with Jesus, when they come to church, we have the opportunity to represent to them how he feels about them. And if we push them out and say, you don't fit through our jokes and through our isolation, then they don't only say, I don't fit with those people. They say, I don't fit with Jesus. So all throughout the Bible, he uses community and hospitality to show people that this, this is what's real. That everybody fits. But if the church fails to see that, when we fail to live that out, what we're really doing is we're telling people, you know how you feel like you don't fit with Jesus? Well, guess what? You're right. You don't. You don't. Now, is that supposed to make us feel guilty? No. Are we supposed to feel like terrible people? No. That's, that's why we come together, so God can tune us and help us to realize, hey, hey, this is what's going on. These are, you need to make some adjustments. So when the orchestra tunes, right, the principal player plays the note, and everybody hears it, plays their, theirs, and responds to it. And so we have to respond. So what's the response to all the stuff I just said? Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, stop joking around about people. Stop being so careless with our words. Stop putting stupid stuff on Facebook and Twitter about people. Like, just stop it. The Olympics was this terrible, terrible, terrible uh, example of that. Opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, people just, just mocking, openly mocking these athletes from all these other countries as if they're not people created in the image of God. Why would we do that? I don't care if their hair bows look weird. Who cares? Who cares? Nobody. It doesn't matter. That's the superficial stuff that gets used by the enemy and by the flesh and the feeding those fears. And am I saying that next, in four years we should be better with our tweets? Yes, we should. Okay? Yes. That's some of what I'm saying. All right? 
But there's a, there's a more, there's a more, like, there's just better points to be made from this. Let's just, let's just stop, just stop being dumb. Like that, you know? Stop making fun of blue-eyed people. And stop ignoring blue-eyed people. Because here's the thing. If they're different than you, they look different, they have different ideas, different interests, different backgrounds, different whatever. And God brings them in. You need them. You need them to build the throne room when we come together. You need their differences. You need their baggage. You need their experiences. You need their personalities. You need their gifts. You need their weaknesses. You need their strengths. You need everything they, they bring to the table. And it doesn't matter what they look like, or it doesn't matter if they're different than you or whatever. All that stuff, we need every one of those things to be refined. Because over here, you as a stone, you need stones all around you. You need stones all around you. And guess what? You need the stones that are different from you. It's kind of like a puzzle, but I think, it's, I think it's much better than a puzzle. Anybody can put a puzzle together. Only Jesus can take this random group of people and build a throne room out of their lives. Only Jesus can do that. And so what do we do in addition to stop making fun of people and stop ignoring people? Okay, Look at the last part of the verse. I mean, I'm sorry, the last part of the song. Sorry, in verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, now, look for, the, look for the, the themes here in his response to all this stuff. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security with, within your towers. For my brothers... In companion's sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Okay? Two things that we see there, over and over again, are peace and a sense of security. And so that's what we do in regard to the building being built. Is that we pray for the peace and security of those in the building. And that begins with you as an individual. That each one of us have to go after those two things. So let's, let's take those two as the last two points. The first one, peace, okay? That's that real, that real just shalom that comes with being in tune with God like we've, like we've been talking about. So what, what can you do to, um, to, to effectively like, be a part of the building, one is that you can respond to the tuning notes of truth that God comes in and plays for us. You, you go for it in that sense. You anticipate that. That when it's time to go to the Grace Baptist building on Sunday nights, what you're anticipating is, I, I can't wait to have that corporate tuning note struck. I can't wait to build the building and to begin to thank the king who's seated on the throne of the throne room that we've built. I'm ready for him to, to rule and to judge over us in righteousness and goodness. I can't wait for that to happen. Because that's where peace happens. When that dissonance of being out of tune is gone and there's this unity with the Lord. 
So we pray for that. We anticipate that. We, we go for that when we're together. We take that seriously when we come together. And not only for you, but for the people around you. And that's the thing, that's the, the, the thing I think that's going to help us move like, more in this direction is for all of us to realize that it's not just up to like, God to like, play the tuning note and respond, but it's the other people responding too. When you hear everybody else responding, it's helping you get in sync with things. And here's one of the things that, ha- that, that happens. Back when I was, a, I, was, uh, I was a band director for a couple years, and um, you, you, had, you had students who were... Uh, who had played some, played some of the instruments longer than some of the other ones, some of the younger ones were like, look, I know I'm out of tune, but I don't know what to do about it. And so the older ones, or me, or somebody, would help show them, like, well, this is, this is kind of how you make those adjustments. You know, you, know that you're not, you know that you're not in tune, but you're not sure what to do about it. And so all of our lives being stacked together like perfect stones, that's, that's a part of what happens. And so when we come together, if you're in this room and you're like, I'm, something's not right, but I'm not sure what to do about it, then you grab somebody and you say, hey, can I talk to you before we leave? Or can I set up time with you this week? Because God's doing something in me and I'm not really sure what. So when you come in, you're praying for your peace and your shalom, but you're also ready to help everybody else be in tune as well. And so you're just sensitive to like, how people are doing and what their countenance looks like. And if someone's upset or if someone's extra joyful or whatever, and like, hey, and we have to see ourselves as as being a stone that's like cut and, and used in very specific ways. So guess what? Sometimes the conversations you have with people are not just random conversations. You may coincidentally bump into them in the hallway back here, but that might be God putting those two stones together in just the right way, fitting you together, and you help one another in your tuning. It's not just something that happens during the music part. It's something that happens in the, during the whole time together. It may be... Those two stones fit together just right in the way that he has. So if you see somebody and you see them over there and you're like, oh, I, want to go, I should go talk to that person, follow that instinct because that might be God's way of joining two stones perfectly together in only the way that he can. It's a part of what it is. So we pray for the peace and the unity that's there, both for ourselves and we open up saying, God, if you want to, if you want to use me to help somebody else get in tune with you tonight, bring it. Just bring it. The other thing is security, right? You look back at the verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. So you embrace the fact that no matter what you feel like sometimes, you fit in this building. And don't you buy into that lie that you don't. Don't you buy into all these superficial, ridiculous things that we tend to use to tell us when we fit in various situations. You recognize the gathering of the saints is very, very different than anything else that you're going to be a part of. And when the saints gather, you fit. And so you embrace that. And there's security that comes with that. And so the way to help others be secure is, first of all, for you to be secure and realize, like, yes, God has me here. And then the way you help other people is you interact with them and you let them know that they fit. And that's kindness and that's compassion and that's encouragement and that's hospitality and it's, it's mercy and it's all, the, all these things that are part of, of being a believer and all we're doing all the time is, is communicating to each other. You fit, you fit, you fit. 
Not just you fit at the ring. You fit with Jesus. You fit with Jesus. You fit with Jesus. We're the throne room. We're making the throne room. And you have a place. And we're glad that you're here. And we love that you're here. And it would not be the same if you were not here. You're secure. And you help others be secure. And you help fight the lies that nobody belongs. We come together. And all the stones fit perfectly. When we realize we're rallied around our King. And we thank Him. And we respond to His infinite worth. And He rules over us and tunes us in perfect judgment. And at the end of the night, we say the priestly blessing. And that blessing is like, it's like that explosion. And we go. And even if you never come back here, you never step foot back in this place, on that night, you gathered with a bunch of stones. And God made us to a holy and sacred group of people that form the throne room of Jesus. And that would not be the same if you weren't there. So some of this applies to next week. You know, the I'm, I was happy when they said it was time to go. That kind of stuff applies to next week. But some of it applies tonight. Because you may not feel like you fit. Or you may feel like you fit, but you may have never really thought about helping other people realize the reality of the fact that they fit. And so what do we need to do before we leave? Well, there needs to be peace and there needs to be security. So individually, we're going to sing a little bit more. And again, we we let God tune us up. We let that security come with knowing and embracing the fact that He's put us together. And when we dismiss and He explodes us out, it doesn't always mean we go out immediately. Sometimes that peace and security need to be displayed to one another as we go. And so I don't know where it lands with you. That's between you and the Lord. We're going to pray and we're going to sing two songs. And let's, let's just really go for it and just see if, if within just two songs... Could our security and our sorry, could our sense of security and our sense of peace deepen corporately together? Let's see. Let's pray together. Jesus, only only you could uh, could do that. I mean, only you could make us all fit. Only you could take people with. Just such such a different, uh, just such different lives, and then put us together in just pure perfection. We know that that happens uh, on multiple levels and happens in different ways when we come together. So help us, Lord, to to seek the peace of the building. To seek the peace of all the stones that are gathered together. That true shalom that comes when we are in perfect tune with you. Would you, in the next few minutes, would you help us to complete that tuning process that we started at the beginning? Would you do that with with the words of the songs and with the interaction with those around us as we wrap up tonight. Do you use those things 
to tune us. And with that tuning comes our security of knowing that we fit. We fit with you. So help us to, to embrace that as individuals and help us as we begin to interact when we're done tonight. Help us to, to really look for ways to remind everybody else around us that that's true. So would you use the next few minutes, Lord, as we wrap up to solidify these things we've been talking about tonight.